Okay, Parashat Yitro, we're going to pick up on page 110, Perek Yodtet, at the very beginning. Parashat Yitro at the onset, it gets its name because Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, arrives on the scene and has lots of suggestions for Moshe with regards to the proper way to build a judicial system for Am Yisrael. When that takes place, whether before the giving of the Torah or after, uh, chronologically, in terms of the way it's written in the Torah, it seems as if it's beforehand, according to some commentators, it actually took place afterwards. But it's not what I want to focus on this afternoon. What I do want to read together with you is the Pesukim, the description leading up to the giving of the Torah. That's Perek Yotet, because the latter part of the parasha is Matan Torah. The latter part of uh, Parashat Yitro is the Ten Commandments on Har Sinai. And uh, the lead-up actually makes up an entire chapter. All of Perek Yotet, ironically, is just everything that goes into preparation of that event. Uh, maybe not ironically, maybe it makes sense. Anytime you have a big event, it's uh, the preparation which uh, takes and consumes most of the time, not the event per se itself. So here at the beginning of Perek Yotet, the Pasuk says, Bahodesh Hashilishi, Letzet Bnei Yisrael Mitzrayim, Bayom Hazeh, Ba'u Midbar Sinai. Uh, literally, we're starting at the beginning of the encampment. It's on the first day of the third month of Sivan, Bnei Yisrael, who made their way from Egypt, come to the desert of Sinai. Vayis'u mirifidim, vayavo'u midbar Sinai, vayahanu bamidbar. Pasuk, in a somewhat redundant way, tells us that they traveled from a place called Refidim. If you were following last week's parasha, at the end of the parasha, we knew they stopped in a place called Refidim. But for some reason, the Pasuk brings that up again. And they traveled from Refidim to Sinai. It's a little bit funny that it mentions it that way. We'll comment on that in a moment. They encamp there in the desert. And then the famous words at the end of this pasuk, Vayihan Sham Yisrael Negatahar, Vayihan is written singular, as opposed to Vayahanu, which would be plural. We're talking about the nation, which comprises many people. The rabbis derive from that the solidarity, the unity of the people. That's the famous pasuk that uh, describes the prerequisite for receiving the Torah as the nationhood coming together. Uh, but I'd like to, for a moment, just to introduce the direction I'd like to go in with regards to these conversations, to focus on the words of Rashi. It's a midrash that Rashi mentions, so it's not per se tapping into the simple interpretation of the text, but I believe it flavors, in my mind, everything that comes afterwards with regards to why the Pasuk again, in an unnecessary way, repeats, and they traveled from Refidim, and they came to Midbar Sinai. So if you look on the bottom of the page for a moment, where it says uh, in the first column, maybe seven lines down, the last word on the line, the bold word is, Vayis'u Mirifidim. If you're not reading with me, okay, I'll, I'll read it. Lama hutzrach lahazoru lefaresh mehechan naseu. So Rashi asked the question that we asked. Why did the Pasuk need to repeat that they came from Rifidim? Never does that. We know. They traveled from there and they went to there and then they went to there. And you don't need to say, if, I, uh, if, if, if I'm together with you, I don't need to repeat to you, especially if I told you the story. I say, and then I was on Avenue J. And then I left Avenue J and went to Avenue U. Well, why'd you speak like that? So you were on Avenue J and then you arrived on Avenue U. I'll know that you came from Avenue J. So, you know. That's not bad, Raquel. The only thing is, you're talking for us. The Torah wasn't written with parashot. In other words, the way we break this up, and not modern, it's not new in that respect, but it uh, wasn't, so to speak, the way God gave it to Moshe. 
We did that. We decided to read the parasha like that. So it's not, you know, it, it, it's supposed, as, as a matter of fact, so much so, I'll, I'll make it even better, is if you look at the ways the rabbis read the Torah, they'll... Um, Typical, if you have ever a typical rabbinic talk is the Torah uses a word over here and uses a word it's ten parashot later, and we link those two up, and I can tell you all about it, right? And why would they do that? Um, one's in something because their vision was that the Torah is to be read as one fluid text. It's this text which is leading one from the next, and you're supposed to be proficient in all of it. So I can't accept. I can accept it if it was a class and I have to review. I can accept it if the Torah was supposed to be read like this, so to speak, as it was given. Says, uh, says Rashi, Ela, rather, Lehakish nesi'atam the purpose is so that the text call our attention to their exit from Refidim, which was not a great place for us as a nation. We complained about water there. We had a difficult time with that. And it's to tell us something about that is similar to their arrival at Har Sinai. The same way they arrived at Har Sinai in a state of repentance, connectedness to God, so too, although if you read the end of last week's parasha, it didn't end that well. I mean, we did get water, but we complained. We didn't have a great time. You should know the same way they arrived at Sinai in an elevated state of repentance, of Teshuvah, so too they must have left Refidim in that state of Teshuvah. That's the answer. It's a rabbinic answer. There's a Musar to it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, for me, more than anything, these words describe, in, in my opinion, the rabbi's vision of what took place at Har Sinai. And what I mean by that is, if you were to speak to a person outside of our nation, speak to a, a Gentile, to a non-Jew, and describe to them, when they ask you, tell me about your law. Uh, so you'd say, well, there was this, uh, there was this time where we gathered as a nation at a mountain to receive the law. That description would be, in their mind, without our tradition, without a description of the Pesukim, without... Uh, the way we remember it and pass it down, that would be a very, very dry description. Law is not exciting. Lawyers, um, they might be exciting, but what they practice is not exciting. It's very dry and cut. It's very, this is what you do do, and that's what you can't do. If you and I were to depict for a non-Jew, for a person who knows nothing about the Torah, for a Jew who knows nothing about the Torah, and say, and then we received the Torah. They say, okay, so tell me about that. Well, there were 10 commandments. Yeah. That's, uh, why are you so excited about that? Why is that something that's so significant for you? No, you don't understand because they represent more. What do they represent? Don't steal. Don't, uh, don't kill. Uh, don't, uh, uh, don't, don't commit adultery. Th those, are, those are inspirational laws. What Rashi is describing for us over here is the vision, above and beyond his, his, his depiction of Rifidim. Sinai was a time of Teshuvah. Teshuvah is emotional. Teshuvah is inspirational. Teshuvah is where I feel connected with my feelings. That's where I feel a relationship developed. Their description is that the Torah's given was not just receiving a law, which we would or would not obey. It wasn't just about a way of life, do this and don't do that. It was about a relationship. To do Teshuvah means I've wronged you and now I'm moving forward. I'm trying to step back to where we were. That line for me 
is such a, again, we're used to that type of, of course, Torah is about a relationship. Not so simple. Torah is a law book. Law is not. Lawyers don't practice relationships. I try mixing relationships in the context of this is what you can and can't do. And the, and the lawyer, the judge, will look at you like you're crazy. This is not a conversation about, about a relationship. The novelty then is, before we read anything, the rabbis say, you want to know what Har Sinai was about? It was about a moment of teshuvah. Teshuvah? In receiving law? Darn right. That's what our law, that's what this book describes to us, our law is all about. Listen, we, to a certain extent, if you pray Amidah on a daily basis or at any point, the Amidah that we pray every day has as one of its beginning berachot, Hashivenu avinu letoratecha. It's a berachah in the Amidah in which we turn to God and we say, Blessed are you, God, harotze bitshuva. You're somehow wanting in our repentance. That's, that's the conclusion, which means to say it's a description of repentance. Yeah, the interesting part is it doesn't just talk about repentance. It's a description of bring us to you in Teshuvah, but do it by means of Torah. Torah is more than just a book, a guide for practice. Uh, an instruction manual for what to do and what not to do, it somehow represents a covenant which is living. It somehow represents the blueprint for a relationship beyond just what to do. That, for me, paints the scenery for what's to come afterwards. And that, in turn, is the secret to a whole chapter describing the preparation for the receiving of the law. There's not just a reception of law, there's a reception of a relationship with God. This is going to be the approach of God to you. How are you going to respond? That's everything we're about to read afterwards, and I think that's what's painted or, or maybe uh, you know, kind of hinted to us in that statement. Oh, so here it is. Okay, so they're uh, there. It's the first day of Sivan. They're six days from getting the Torah or so, and um, there's prerequisites. Umoshe ala el Elohim. I can't fully explain that to you, but it says God. It says Moshe ascends to God. I, you know. Okay, to the heavens. God calls out to Moshe from the mountain saying, This is what I want to be repeated and told to B'nai Israel. Okay, now, here's the crux of the class. And Beatrice, an old theme that, yeah, and I know you know this one because I've had another point begun talking about it. You're like, wait a sec. Atem re'item asher asiti lemitzrayim. And for me, for Avi Harari, that second word in the Pasuk is a trigger. Atem re'item, it means the conversation is opened with the perception, the sense of sight. And in the continued lines, we're going to have mention of hearing. This is a motif, a theme throughout the Torah from beginning until end. The play and the dichotomy and the uh, way of dealing in a relationship with God and with others by sight or by hearing, because sight and hearing are very different perception senses. Sight is direct. 
Sight has no barriers. What you see is right there in front of you. There's no process in discerning. I don't need to figure out what is that, what is it not. When the lights go out and I have to listen, however, now there's process that's a part of this. Now I have to play an active role. Now it's difficult. There's a journey. There's something that's being developed. Says God in the initial statement here, Atem ri'item. You saw Asher Asiti Limitzrayim. You saw what happened in Egypt. Pause. Avi Harari speaking. We have no relationship. No relationship. All that has taken place between me and you so far is I've given to you. You've watched it. There's been no difficult part, part on your behalf. We can make it more practical with ourselves, our children. Our, uh, when you give and when our children are on the receiving end at all times from us, our children have little to no relationship with us. Their relationship is one of receiving. There's no struggle. There's no true relationship. Life has become very direct. Relationships have sadly become too direct as well. If there's no guessing, if there's no reading the other person's actions and trying to understand what makes sense, we're lacking in our relationships. Our relationships are shallow. Our relationships are absent of an emotive feeling side. The description of God in the first sentence through Moshe to B'nai Israel, in my interpretation of it, is you've received. You've seen it all. You've had to do nothing. There's been nothing difficult for you. It was so clear so far. Go ahead. They had a very difficult time in, in Egypt, and all because they were Jews. So they, they sacrificed because they were Hashem's nation way before Hashem did anything for them. Right. I'm agreeing with you, and so to speak, they deserve it, I assume is what you're saying. They gave to him, and he's giving back to them. What I'm saying more than anything is... In a relationship, so let me, re, let me rephrase it. It's not that you've only received. It's that from me, your relationship with me has been one which has been too direct. It's been one in which the receiving was just there. You didn't have to guess. There was no conversation about what took place. You lived through those 10, 10 plagues in Egypt. You knew exactly what was happening. You crossed the sea and you had full understanding of it as well. There was no challenge in any of this. A relationship is built on challenge. Our relationship with others is built through guessing games, through trying to under, as much as I, as much as I believe this, I hate this. I, I imagine every spouse, certainly men, hate when we have to guess what our wife means. But it's part of the relationship. It is by definition. Because if we just know, I, I've, I've said it too many times, this story, so I'm going to uh, abbreviate the story. But a good friend of mine who said at his engagement party that he's never gotten in a fight with his fiance, And I said to him, that sounds terrible. You've never had to deal with things. Everything's been so direct, so matter of fact. So quid pro quo, you've done, she's done, you've just, uh, it's boring above and beyond because a relationship needs to have life and excitement because disagreements, because I don't fully understand you, because there's a challenge in this. Yes, I just want to say, I'm going to get my head in the opening of the Hashem that you throw her. Heard. 
Right. A hundred percent. Vayishma Yitro is a description of a person who, from a distance, is able to piece something together. So much so, I would suggest further, his advice to Moshe, his ability to say, well, it seems to me your law system is too direct. It's only from you. It's got to be a little bit fixed up is an individual who sees process, who knows how to understand. So it starts with him from a distance, piecing it together, and then seeing the larger picture. He's a relationship individual. He doesn't see law as something that is just given and practiced. So now he's saying that the judgment should be direct. It should go through judges. But then there's something so special about being direct and the same idea of Hashem just giving it to them. Sure. So we want spurts and we want moments and our children deserve them from us in which it's direct, in which there's no struggle. We certainly do want and need that as well. But a relationship which has depth is a relationship which has a struggle. Uh, we, I, we talk about it all the time. And, you know, we're not even into the conversation yet here in the parasha, but we talk about it from Bereshit all the time, from Adam and Hava. Why did it, and it appears that they did, why did they need out of the gun? Why didn't they? And I believe, back to Juni's point, it was boring there. There was no challenge. There was no process. There was no nothing there. They needed to get out. They needed a journey. They needed a derich. It's Hayim is the words of the Torah. So you're right. There are moments and there are spurts in which we need things to be clear and in front of us. We need our kriyat yamsuf. But uh, uh, also, uh, getting tried at this point, but under the chuppah, which the rabbis describe as a, a communion, which is as difficult as Har Sinai, but also as grand and as amazing as Har Sinai, we break a glass, and I think the symbolism is beyond just, although it's important, the destruction of the Mikdash, it's the fact that this relationship, as complete and as whole and as direct and as clear and as pristine as it is in this moment, can't stay this way, and it won't stay this way. There's going to be difficulties because it's a relationship, and it's a real relationship. Yes, Renee? And a relationship has to have given for sure, for sure. So, so that's what Erica didn't like so much. The way I was describing like that, because she said they gave so much. They did. Um, I'll, I'll accept. But I agree with you. It's going to necessitate give and take, which means. I need you looking out for me as well, so to speak, not that God does. So again, Listen, I almost, I can describe it, I flew you out of Egypt on the wings of Nisharim, of eagles, or Rabbi Haramadi, Allah HaShalom used to tell us this is griffin vultures, regardless. I, I never understood why it mattered, other than it was his claim to fame. But, And I brought you to me. Everything has been direct. In terms of this, quote, relationship, it hasn't been a relationship at all. I was fully revealed. I mean, the rabbi's description of Harsin, of, of uh, Kiryat Yamsuf is, the lowest level individual, the maidservants who had no education, their vision was greater than the great, one of the greatest of prophets in the future, Yehezkel. It was direct. There was no guessing. Yes? We're talking about a time like, B'nai were slaves that they weren't giving enough direct passion. Like, what should they have been giving? Like, it's a... I took back the giving. I t- they're, they're giving... Repla- replace... 100%. And I'm not clear enough. It's not your fault. Uh, replace the word giving with um, putting yourself into it. Which... Which 
I agree with you. We're done with that. We're out of Egypt, and he's not criticizing them. He's telling them we're ready for a relationship. He's saying to them, until now, you were the child. Let's put in those words. Until now, you were the little child. A baby does not need to, should not, by the way, should not struggle to receive food, right? You're just giving, giving, giving. Right. How much more complex right. and deep is it when they start talking back? And you have to have right, right. Well said. More... Well said. So that's so. Okay, so that's what. So that's what God's saying to him. Until now, you were the baby. I even took you like a vulture uh, on my back. I flew you out. No questions asked. You didn't need to put anything into this. Now, veata, and now, and again, that last pasuk talked about. You saw im shamoa tishmeu bekoli. Now, if you'll listen to my voice, to my sound. Now, my vision for this thing that we've been working on is that it turned into a relationship. I want you to start listening. I don't want you to just be on the direct end from me. I want you to be deepening this. If you can do this right... You're going to be distinct. You're going to be a holy and sanctified people. Says God to Moshe, this is what I want you to say to them. Moshe comes and says this to them. By the way, taken out of out of our conversation, like, what did he say? He said, I want you to be my nation. Like, was that a significant statement? And was, I, I think you have to read something along the lines of what we're saying. Because otherwise, it's, God turns to Moshe and says, go tell them I want you to be my nation. I mean, uh, what, what, what's he? Oh, sorry. You're in the room. I, please go tell someone that I want them to what? To be my nation? I mean, kind of said that a lot of times. I think this is a statement. Again, it's a significant one in which God is saying to Moshe, go speak to them and tell them uh, we need to develop something deeper now. It's going to be a hearing relationship as opposed to just sight, as opposed to just direct. Moshe sets this up in front of the people all together respond. Anything that God says, we will do. Uh, all right. I mean, did that respond? Was that a response? Moshe goes back and repeats this to God. It's not exactly clear what their statement is. There's an interesting midrash that picks up on something over here. And uh, what it picks up on is the fact that um, we will certainly see this later in the parasha when all is said and done, but it's possible that until now, the message to the people was the following. Guys, you're going... It, it's actually, pause for a second, it's actually what God told Moshe when he first encountered him. I want you guys to come back to this place, and I want the people to hear me talking to you. I don't know if you remember those Pesukim from all the way back, Parashat Vayera. In other words, this statement of you guys are going to listen, we're going to deepen this relationship, is you're going to listen through Moshe. It's going to be, quote-unquote, so distant, so difficult to approach me that you're not even going to be listening and trying to discern what I'm saying from me to you. You're going to listen through Moshe, to which the people respond, listen, God, we're up for this relationship, but only if we listen 
from you. We're not listening from Moshe who heard it from you. We need this to be a little bit more direct. The way that the Midrash articulates this is in the following way. From that pasuk, because they say, "Kol asher deber Adonai naaseh," anything that God spoke. There's not. Listen, if your child says to you, "Ma, I just, there's something nice. It's unhealthy, but it says, Ma, I just want to live in your house my whole life, and I just want to always eat your meals, and I just there's something nice to that. He trusts you. She trusts you, right? But at the same time, yes, Johnny, sorry. I'm with you, but you could get it by by means of, so to speak, Moshe. You're listening as God. The description even was, they're going to listen as I speak to you. It, it's not, they'll know it's coming from me, but it's going to be not as that. It, the Midrash says, says it in the following way. The Midrash says, We want to hear this from our king. It's you can't compare someone who listens from a distance or through something or behind the screen to hearing it straight from the source. So yes, God is the way we're suggesting this. We'll enter into this relationship. But not that hard, you know? Okay, start me off with a million in the bank. I understand you're a billionaire and you won't give me the billions from the... Can you start me with a million? No, I, want, I, I had in mind, actually, I'd start you with just a couple thousand dollars and you'd build yourself up. Come on, come on, not that much. I, 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 I can't handle that. So I think that's, I, I'm, I'm suggesting, that's the response. So we're in for a relationship, but not that hard. Okay, so now God responds. Did you catch it, Mary? There it is. I'll come to you in a cloud so that they'll hear as I speak to you. So the people wanted something more. Well, he's not really. He's not really. I'm going to be in a cloud and come to you. Before he wasn't in a cloud or anything. And Moshe repeats, the, or, or Moshe comes back with the words of the people and tells it to God. Well, what are the words of the people now? What are the words of the people? Again, so if we reconstructed this conversation as I'm going to speak through you and they'll listen, they say, no, we want it directly, and then there's some sort of response. And, and then it says, okay, so I'm back. And then, then it says, Moshe went and he told the, what did the people say? There was no line over here. This is a mysterious pasuk over here. Uh, Rashi picks up on this and listen to the words of Rashi uh, on the left-hand column this time and tra- right really in the middle of the column in pasuk et ha'am says Rashi teshubah al davar shamati mehem I heard an answer. This is not in the text. This is so to speak the rabbis injecting this. I have an answer. This is what they want. Listen to the final words. You know something? They heard that and they won't suffice. They want to see it. They're not even listening, even if they're gonna they're not doing the veiled, they're anything. They want to see it. They don't even want to see you through a cloud. 
That's a hundred percent. The makot kiryat yamsuf. No question. So again, so to reconstruct this the way I'm suggesting it is that God shows up on the scene to Moshe and says, "Before I give the law book to you, understand this isn't just going to be a law book. You do, I reward. This is going to be a conversation. This is going to be a continuous conversation. Uh, can you go and tell them that that you know they're not going to see me any longer and they're not." Uh, so Moshe goes and reconstructing it from the pesukim and the midrash, and they said, "No, we we need to hear it from God." So he comes back and says, "Okay." They'll kind of see, you know, they kind of hear it from me because instead of hearing it through you, Moshe, they'll hear as I speak to you. So it means they'll hear it, but I'm coming in a veiled cloud, so to speak. They can't see me. Of course, not, none of this literal. God's not, you know, when the, the cloud parts, you don't see God. And we're talking about in terms of understanding, in terms of the directness. And uh, the response in turn of the people, although it doesn't say it, it's Rashi's pickup from the rabbis. They said, oh, we, we, can't, we can't handle that. We actually need to see it. So what, Juni, is God a pushover in this moment? It's not that he's a pushover because he will fully reveal at Har Sinai. It's that he's going to teach them the hard way that you want a relationship. That as much as you think that you want, as, as much as it, you got spoiled from that in Egypt and post-Egypt, as much as your life as a child is kind of easy-ish, because it's being provided for you, and you imagine that you want that and assume that's a relationship throughout, as much as my friend, no fights with his uh, with his uh, fiancé, and life is good, and we're always smiling and seem to be happy, at a certain point, and it's going to come very quickly for you, you're going to realize, I'll come directly to you, no challenge, you're going to say, this is overwhelming. This isn't a relationship. This isn't something that we're a part of. Because the Pasuk then says, okay, says God to Moshe, Moshe, lechel ha'am v'kidashtam hayom u'mahar v'chibesusim lo'tam. Go ahead. It certainly can. And when I keep repeating the word difficult, I don't mean like painful difficult. I mean, but we're talking to one another. And as a result, since we're not the same person or being, I'm trying to understand you, you're trying to, that's what I mean by difficult. I don't mean that we're, and when I talk about the fights with my friend, I don't mean, I don't want him to have nasty fights and vicious things. I want him to say, we disagree about a lot, and I spent a lot of time trying to understand her, and she spent time trying to understand me. So certainly, we have give and takes in relationships that are healthy, and they're not vicious, and they're not bad, but that's, that's depth. That's something that, but that's not what they want. They don't want any of that. They just want, you know, just reveal it to us. Just give us the law. Isn't that what this is about? We'll do it. Just, just reveal yourself to us. Tell us what to do and we'll finish this. Uh, no, this is Teshuvah. Harsinai is supposed to be something more than that. Black and white. No color, no difficulty. If you want it to be as direct as you believe, this is really dangerous lots of time for, of preparation. I can't, we, the, the conversation about the Shloshet Yimei HaGbala comes right after this. If you want it to be as direct as you believe that you think and, and you want it, we need some preparation for that. I don't know that this preparation was per se coming if it was through Moshe. It could have been and it was experience from Moshe. And then instead, you want that rendezvous together with me? You want the whole thing? You have to prepare. Yeah, I believe that's why that comes afterwards. His description afterwards is a hold. And God says in the middle of it to Moshe, I'm nervous they're going to trample the mountain and go up onto it. So make sure, make certain that you, and know and warn them that if they go onto the mountain, they're going 
to be killed, they're going to die. Of course, none of that ends up happening. But what's he fearing, God? God is fearing, it seems to me, that this will quickly descend from being anything real. It's going to be too direct. It's going to be a situation in which they don't know how to stand back. It's a situation in which they've been given directly without any effort. They assume that this mountain is theirs. They assume that. So that that's what I believe is happening. And then Har Sinai happens. The Ma'amad takes place. Go ahead. No, I'm just wondering because I'm looking now that this is coming right after the whole judgment thing. Maybe they didn't like that they could have been directly. Assuming it came beforehand, you're saying. Yeah, no, no. No, that's nice. No, that's good. We don't know, but let's assume. I don't know. There's two opinions on this. So let's assume it's beforehand. So in other words, uh, so in other words, I, I think what Beatrice is suggesting is that that episode mirrors what's taking place over here. So to speak, beforehand, Moshe had been judging the people directly. Yitro says this is not a good situation. You need to set up a system. You are the last word on it. Uh, so it's, Beatrice is saying that's the prerequisite to this conversation afterwards. You moved us away from you, Moshe, and now you're moving us away from God. I mean, what is this? We want just some direct access. We used to wait online and talk to you. Was, okay, we didn't have that much airtime with you, but we, we spoke to you, and now you're telling us we can't even speak to you. Well, on page, let's, so he hasn't yet, and he won't, and at Har Sinai, he doesn't. On page one, he's trying, and he's setting in motion the reality for them. This is going to be too much. Page 122, Chet is a direct consequence of overexposure. No question. You see the seeds for Chet Egel here on 122. On 122, in Pasuk Ro'im et Kolot, an iconic Pasuk, 122, the Pasuk Tetvav, V'chol Ha'am Ro'im et Kolot. You follow? They saw the sounds. That's a prophetic experience. But listen to the words one more time. They saw the sounds. Sounds are supposed to be heard. It is entirely direct. There is no confusion. It's there. It's it. They're supposed to listen. No, no, no. It's direct. Everything is right. And they see. What is their reaction? They tremble and stand from afar. They jolt backwards. Uh, Juni, in your words, it got, so to speak, too boring. I mean, it's not really boring. It's more overwhelming, but it's the same idea. There's no challenge here. There's nothing for us in this moment. It's, it's just, uh, Ma, you just keep giving me. At a certain point, I, I want to achieve this myself. Uh, Dad, I, I thought I was going to get a position in work where I was going to have to build something. Instead, uh, you just put me behind the desk and, and everything was just in motion. They, they, their response is, Vayomeru el Moshe, daber do you hear the reaction? You speak to us. Let us listen to you. We don't want to hear this from God any longer. This simple interpretation is a fear of death, which is what they say. Um, we're reinterpreting it a little bit. It's a fear of death because it's too direct. It's a fear of death because we're not achieving anything, because we're not moving into anything. When a relationship is too overwhelming, it's a, it's a dangerous... It's too much. Is that it, why they added 
Yes, for sure. For sure. You speak to us and let us hear enough of this sight. It's too direct. We need the challenge. You know, Alav HaShalom, Hurdle Tal was a, David Hurdle Tal was a real influence to me in my, I hope he could take credit if I'm doing okay with it, in my public speaking. And he came to listen to me a few times when I spoke publicly. And one time he said to me, he said, you know, there's something wrong with you. I said, what is that? He said, you don't... You know, he always had... There was much wrong with me. He, was, he, was, he said to me, when you speak, you don't ever stumble on your words. You don't ever say, at the time, he says, you don't ever say what I mean to say. You don't ever correct yourself. You don't ever... He said, nobody wants to hear that from you. Everybody wants to be struggling a little bit. Now, of course, on another occasion, he told me, and nobody understands what you're talking about. I said, I said, Hurdle, isn't that what you want from me? Okay, so there was lots of contradictions. He was, he was testing me on that, or whatever. But what, what I'm saying is I, I, I appreciate that. A, a class in which I'm growing is a class in which my mind is being triggered. The punchline is not revealed in the first moment of the class. There's a development. You caught me. I'm thinking about it. I'm struggling with it. My relationship with a person is certainly that way as well. I return to what I said at the beginning of the class, our world, for better or for worse, is very direct. Whereas once upon a time, I love to say, in my lifetime, you needed to go into a, a library and use the Dewey Decimal System. You then, I remember this was a big deal, there's no Dewey Decimal System any longer. Now it's on a, There's no library any longer. What do you need? I mean, I love books, but what do you need a library? You can find it all online. And I heard it on the radio yesterday that it'll be in our brains sooner than later. We won't even need to look at a device because there'll be a chip in our brain. That's, you know, scary, but it's going to happen. And it might be, I don't know, it might not be in our life. That's the scary, scary, hard thing to really wrap our head around. Like, what's the challenge? But, but again, maybe you'd say, that's beautiful. Alternatively, there's no challenge. We're not achieving anything. Leave aside competition. Leave aside... Uh, there for sure. You know what it'll be? You know what it'll be? Somehow we're going to have a challenge. We're going to... Somehow. Maybe. Regardless, what I'm saying is as the world moves further and further from the difficulty of understanding, from the difficulty of achieving, our relationships as well have become, but wait a second, why couldn't that be more direct? Why did I have to struggle through this? We can't understand that. We become stressed over that. We have anxiety over the fact that everything is not perfect immediately and can't understand why 30, 40, 50 years ago, nobody struggled with the same. The reason they didn't is because they assumed it then. They had a depth, not everyone, but a lot of people had a depth to relationships to the extent that they understood this is something I need to struggle through. This is not in the negative sense. Okay, I'm sorry I keep saying struggle. And it sounds like the negative sense is something I need to work toward. This is something that I need to listen for. But the people over here after the experience which they demanded would be a, I'm sorry to turn it back into that, a law-giving experience instead of a teshuvah experience as I read from Rashi. This was supposed to be, says God, emotional. This was supposed to be inspirational. You guys turned it into, well, you just saw me and it was all done. Now there's something amazing about that. But that's not about, I didn't become inspired per se immediately. Why did I, he anticipate that that was going to happen? Oh, I, I, he did. Because if, 
I mean, for the same reason that you and I need to make mistakes, even when people who know more than us, uh, in order for us to actually learn it, so to speak. He needed them to distance themselves in order to experience it. So they pulled back and they said, okay, um, we hear you. And we want to hear it only from... So there's a great question. Um, in other words, what Mary's saying is if, if they get it now, if they fully get it, so then Heta Egel is Moshe's absence, but in Moshe's absence, they don't even hear it through Moshe. So Moshe's absence is too quick a distance. It's, I got to know you really well, and then I disappeared from the scene. That's panic. And that, though, is too real life, too quick. It's just so frustrating. Hashem was ready to take us, ready to embrace us, and then it just slipped out of everything. Like, it's just oh, they like, still kind of went on to that. Yes, they had it again, but it was all the stumbling along the way. And I know it's a learning curve, but it's just, it's just, Hashem was, I'm ready to have you. We're ready. We're ready to do this. And then it's just. Couldn't be. Again, it couldn't be, but what I'm saying is he was ready for it, but we really weren't. We really believed that we have no need for that. We didn't even understand the significance of of an experience, of of an experience of a relationship. The, The aftermath of this is a heta ego, which takes us even further, in other words, in terms of... Uh, but second, before heta ego, the way the Torah describes it, whether it happened before or after, a matter of debate as well, is right after this parasha comes parashat mishpatim, and then comes my bar mitzvah parasha, parashat terumah. And I say it all the time, but I'm going to say it in this context again, to truly appreciate it, the mishkan is parashat terumah. That's what happens. And I know, Beatrice, we do migilat there from then onward. I've been taught this. We don't talk about the mishkan. It's too but what I can say is, and we say this all the time, is that the Mishkan is, uh, first in the text, as well as in the eyes of the rabbis, it is the microcosmic Har Sinai. What do I mean by that? Build this, v'shachanti betocham, and I'll dwell in your midst. It's called Mishkan Ha'edut, the Mishkan of testimony, testimony of Har Sinai. The imagery in the Mishkan, the areas that some could enter into and others couldn't, is very much a vivid portrayal of Har Sinai and so forth. What's at the center, so to speak, of the Mishkan? It's the tablets which we received at Sinai. But realize that the Mishkan had not just one cover and one layer and one wall. It had one after another after another and areas that you couldn't go into. And you would hear God there. You'd go into the place where you'd commune with him once a year, one person. It built mystery for excitement, but it built distance that was a necessary one. It built, so to speak, a healthy relationship, Har Sinai. That's what the Mishkan was afterwards. It was a Har Sinai which God said, this is the way I wanted it to be. A redo. And a redo for life. In other words, you now have the Mishkan, you now have your Har Sinai for life, and you could have that type of Har Sinai for life. You can't have Kriyat Yamsuf every day, and you can't have Ma'amad Har Sinai the way we experienced it every day. That's not a relationship, that's not real life. Mishkan, distance, listening. I'm going to speak to you from Ben Akeruvim, and you're going to have to listen carefully and repeat it to the. That we can do. That we can do on a consistent basis. So to summarize, Parashat Yitro 
which leads us up to the reception of the Torah and through it, in my opinion, those lead-up Pesukim and then the aftermath Pesukim are very much connected and very true in the relationship with God, in relationship with one another, in relationship with life itself. It's a description of a people and individuals as us, as we are who oftentimes assume the more direct, the more simple, the more coming to me without me having to achieve it, the better my life will be. That's the perspective of Am Yisrael, but that's a cheap, uh, lacking depth, not a relationship at all. It's a law-giving experience. Tell us what to do. Speak to us. We'll do it. Uh, that's, that's all we want to do. To which God says, not really. It's not really what we want. No, that is what we want. So ultimately speaking, God gives in. That's what happens. They see the sounds at Har Sinai immediately after that pasuk. They jolted backwards. Please, Moshe, you just speak to us. And so to speak, God is laughing. Told you so. And that, that's really what happens. And then again, Mary, Heta um, Egel takes us even further in this respect in the realization of the people how much distance is part of relationships in that respect. How indirect things often need to be in order for there to be depth to a relationship and the way they falter with that. But the Mishkan is really what fixes this all. The Mishkan is a redo. I called it a microcosm. Redo is much better, Rachel. It's a redo of Har Sinai. It's a redo of Har Sinai, but the way God, so to speak, says it should have been without any sight. You're not going to see any. You'll never see, by the way, the Luchot. The Luchot are in the Aron, which is never to be, it's not like our Aron, we open it up and take out. You'll never see the Luchot. You'll always have to just think about the fact that they exist in there. That is the enduring relationship. And you'll have to listen for me. You'll have to imagine what I'm thinking, so to speak, and what message I'm trying to give you. You'll have to live life as we often do in our relationship with God and as we should in our relationship with others. Not that it needs to be hard in the uh, debilitating sense, in the suffering, sad, somber sense, but in the respect that it needs to be something we achieve. Achieving something, straining ourselves in the positive sense to get to that is not only a necessity in the scheme of things, because maybe it's not, maybe I could have just been given it, but it's what develops relationship and develops character. Without that, we are people who lack that depth, who have no relationships, who assume and feel and realize that everything's coming to us without actually understanding another, without actually understanding ourselves. Har Sinai, I believe, is the first fall of the people in that respect and the first lesson for them and for us as to what Torah and relationship with God is about. It's not just a book of law. It's not just what we do. It's what we experience and hopefully how we develop a relationship with God.